What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, and we are discussing The Stand Episode 7. I will say, I know we've been complaining about this show from the beginning. I honestly have to say, I liked this episode. Like This was a good episode. It was a good episode. Not only was it a good episode, it felt like the stand to me they included a lot of this like they didn't really change a lot of the scenes from the book they did they used a lot of the dialogue i was very pleased with it like even at one point i look watching the episode i actually got moved to the point of tears because of what was happening and say i was like this is what i've been wanting from this show it was Mm -hmm. it was great i i enjoyed it a lot and, and remember I said, as we move along, it's, it's probably going to get better. It seemed like the worst things were behind us. But why did they and have six episodes of the bad stuff? I really honestly believe they were trying to do things different. They're trying, they were trying to add some different stuff, even though ultimately we were going to end up at the same place. So more or less, you know, we got a lot of Harold. We got a whole lot of Harold and Franny. Mm-hmm. They could have taken some of that out and and still gotten us to where we are now. Right. Because to I know we haven't gotten to it yet, but like I had no sympathy for Harold. Like, was I supposed to feel bad for you? Absolutely. You know, they, they didn't they did not. They didn't give you anything during these previous six episodes to hang your head on, like, I feel sorry for Harold. No, I don't. Nope. I, I really no. don't. <laughs> Not at all. No, and, and I had hoped in the beginning, I had hoped there would be an opportunity for redemption for him. I had hoped that we would see, maybe that would be one of the things they changed. Yeah, I told don't you we were going to do that. Not with this character. <laughs> no, we, did, we didn't get it. Yeah, they, I was hoping. They, they tried it. it. They tried it with, with the little note that he left at the end because if I'm if I'm remembering correctly in the book, the only note that he left said, I'm sorry. Yeah, but even this note that he left wasn't, it was like, it was an apology, but sort of not really an apology. It was a like, justification. Was, yeah. It was yeah. a justification, you know, that that's yeah. what it was. He, I mean, he took responsibility for it and he did say, look, I'm not even, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I did this of my own free will. I really did do this of my own free will. Yes, I was influenced. Yes, I may have had, <laughs> but I was manipulated. But day, I did it on my own free will. At the end of the day, I did this on my own. So he, at least he took responsibility for that. But um, yeah, no sympathy and no sympathy. N- no sympathy. But yeah, so we'll get to that. We'll get to it. Let's start from the top. So this is the second episode where we get Trash Can Man at the onset. And as I was editing the show that we did for episode six, I listened to your concerns about Trash Can Man. And then I kind of read a couple of articles that I found online. And I listened to a couple of friends talk about their feelings for it. And I kind of see what you meant. And I get it now. Like, Going back and watching it again, I was kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was right. Yeah, he was right. And then in this episode, I kind of felt like, 
why are you screeching so much? Like, <laughs> I really wanted to mute my TV. It's, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I will say this too, like I said, I was so excited when I heard that Ezra Miller was cast because I love him as an actor. I think he's phenomenal. And I wish they'd have given him, I wish they'd have given him more to work with in this story because again, having Randall Flagg tell Trash Can Man that this is what you need to do and this is what you need to bring me, for me, it kills Trash Can Man's whole story. And so to see him go in with his tools and pull this warhead up and get it loaded. And it, it was just, I was just kind of like, okay, can we get past this now? It just, it, it does nothing for me now. It, it, there's no, again, unless they drastically change the ending of the story, it has no weight for me now. The whole trash can man yeah. story, the climax that he, what he did, it just, it, it does nothing for me now. Well, they, they, they took away, they took away that aspect that he was taking away that he was doing it to make up for something he had done in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you, you kind of take away sort of some of the personality of that character. And you take you away know. the element of surprise. Yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to mention was I, I was thinking about what I said afterwards, you know, after we recorded. And I, I think maybe I was being overly harsh and not, not clear. And it wasn't that the portrayal was drastically different. Because like you said, that's kind of how he was in the book. It's just that seeing on screen left little to be desired. Like you could have taken it to a certain point and then left it there, but they went a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. I think we talked. Talked. We talked about this in the pre-show earlier. It was just a little bit too far. Like I saw what you wanted to do. I understand what you wanted to do, but again, there's some things that don't translate well from paper to the screen, mm -hmm. and that seemed like that was one of those things that I think they kind of got that right in the in the original series, and but. Watching it today, the, the person I live with, whom I'm related to by marriage, said that it was it was almost like he was really more or less more crazy than mentally disabled. He seemed more feral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that seemed to be what what her and being a person who doesn't remember how it was in the series mm -hmm. or hadn't read the book, then I can understand. Um, so that's, she was more accepting of the way he was because it, it wasn't really about the mental disability. Right. And because that's he, kind of- To her, he didn't seem to be mentally disabled. Yeah. He just seemed to be a little crazy and he was scarred from burning himself. Yeah. Not only that, but if you remember the character of Trash Can Man, like I said, in the books, he was also institutionalized. He, ha he was put through shock therapy. And all of these other things that for us now are barbaric, but that was kind of that was kind of the way that was the thing back then. Yeah. So yes, he always came across to me as that kind of unhinged, you know, not necessarily like like you said, not 
not autistic, not, not mentally, not mental health sick. It was just a, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's got kind of like a raw, I don't know. It's, it's just something raw about the character. That's, that's how I always kind of interpreted it when I read it. So that's why it didn't put me off as much when I saw it on screen. I was like, yeah, this is kind of similar to how I pictured him. Like that kind of unhinged, that kind of, that kind of fanatical devotion. Which, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you think about it, some people will say that that is also sort of a, a mental illness, that kind of, um, you know, when you when you um, fixate on something to that extreme. But um, mm -hmm. in this episode, he seemed more, it's almost like his mind was sharper, but he was also a little more diminished. You know, he didn't really use clear words. He he wasn't speaking. He was speaking in a lot of gibberish. He was doing a lot of screeching. Right. But he, I, se he seemed to have, he seemed to be cognizant of his goal and his purpose. Mm -hmm. And everything else that was going on seemed to be a flourish, seems to be flourish. Mm -hmm. It's like extra. Right. You know I mean, like. Yeah. Now, I do want to discuss one issue that I have is that thing is very heavy. How do you get it from up there off of the silo down to the vehicle? Because the vehicle was not anywhere near close to being able to get to that. And I looked at what he had. I didn't see a pulley system for moving it to the, to the vehicle. No, I don't even know how he got it from where, when he lifted it off of the actual weapon, you know, he was sitting there holding onto it, hugging it like, oh, this is what I wanted. And the way that it was, it was already at the top of the pulley system he, he used to lift it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, or that he used to detach it. So I was like, how did he get it over? Like, how is he doing this by himself? And the only thing that I can think of is that maybe the strength of his devotion to Randall Flagg manifested itself in that way because Randall Flagg is supernatural. And if this is what Randall Flagg wants, I'm sure he's not above giving Trash Can Man an extra push or an extra little bit of strength to help him achieve that goal i okay. know it's a stretch uh, i'll i'll it's take stretch, it but we are dealing with the show <laughs> take it. with the supernatural so. supernatural yeah. I'll, I'll take it especially after some of the things that happened in this episode <laughs> i have questions about <laughs> right so but yeah i mean that's the only way i can explain it because other than that i i mean i looked at the the, the tv like really and then i was like okay wait you know what supernatural Randall Flagg probably helped him in some way. Maybe those crows were pulling invisible strings as they were flying overhead, I, or those ravens. I, I don't know, you know. It, yeah, I guess it just works. It, right. it got done. I guess that's the. Yeah. I guess that's the. Just, just like walk, walking from Boulder to Vegas. Yeah. <sighs> but okay, I'm sorry. Continue. continue. No. no but, that, but, that, but but but. That's, that's all I'm going to say as far as Ezra Mill, Miller's portrayal. I, I'm like you. I kind of hope they had given him a little bit more because he's such a talented and gifted actor. He's so expressive mm -hmm. in how he conveys emotion 
and stuff. And and I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. More than one scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, really? And, and yeah, and just the one note that 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 screeching though. Yeah, yes, less screeching because my ears really were hurting at at the end of that. But yeah, I just want to see a little bit more. I think one thing that is missing from the performance, and it has nothing to do with the actor, it has to do with, again, the limited amount of time we see him on screen. We haven't really had a chance to see the complexity in the character. Because I always felt like Trash Can Man was a complex character. It wasn't just a, oh, he's a pyromaniac and he's, you know, he's off his rocker or whatever. He had some things that he really was dealing with. Like in the book, and of, of course we can see more, we, we get more detail in the book. In the book, you can see that even as a younger kid, he kind of fought against this, this, overwhelming desire to set everything on fire he really struggled with that you know it wasn't something that he was trying to do and then of course as he started getting bullied and people were being mean to him sometimes it just those kinds of things when it happens so much and it gets to the point where you can't deal with it your psychosis just kind of goes with the flow okay hey you know this is what I've been dreaming about and thinking about for years and nobody cares about me. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of sort of like Harold, but in a different sense. Um, and, you know, we, we saw the complexity with Harold's character. We saw a little bit of the, the, the tug and pull that Harold was fighting with to be this person or not be this person. We don't get to see that at all with Trash Can Man, you know? And it's like, I, I feel like that's missing from the character. And and going back to something we said a while ago, we talked about you know the pacing of this show and, and getting to know the characters. They gave us so much background information of the people in Boulder, mm-hmm. but we don't really get that. We got we got it for Lloyd, mm-hmm. the clown. We got his background information. We saw Julia once. Yep. Julie. Julie one, one time. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other characters in Vegas that they could have spent a little more time on giving us that stuff about him. Like Trash came in, you could have given us a background story for him. You could have given us a background story for um, Rat Woman. The Rat Woman. The, yeah, you could have given, because she's there. I mean, she's literally there. That's it. You could have just than that and you would have been better served doing that than a lot of the other stuff that you spent a lot of time on i.e Fran and Harold right yeah because especially here's the thing I don't because I don't feel like it's it's kind of like when you think about okay I'm gonna go Harry Potter reference when you think about Deathly Hallows and you think about the Battle of Hogwarts and how when it came to fighting against the Death Eaters, the way that she wrote it was that Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, those students all, you know, wanted to join in the fight. And what did she do with the Slytherins? She sent all of them to the dungeon. 
because they didn't want the Slytherins to help the Death Eaters. Well, even though we know that most of the dark wizards and witches came from Slytherin, that doesn't mean that they're all bad. You know, mm -hmm. think about Slughorn. Slughorn was a Slytherin. And he was mm -hmm. a fairly decent teacher. Yeah, he he was a little, you know, focused on celebrity and, you know, being popular or whatever. But those are not necessarily bad things. They don't make you evil. And I feel like in this show as well, and I said this way back, I believe when we reviewed episode three or episode four, I said that they probably weren't going to give us a lot of background characters on Vegas because the assumption is going to be, okay, if they're in Vegas, they want it to be in Vegas with Randall Flagg. They want it to be evil. They want it to have no accountability for whatever. And that's why they're there. But I would like to think that there might be one or two characters, just like we had Nadine and Harold in Boulder who were there, but they didn't really want to be there. They didn't feel like they belonged. I'm sure that there's probably somebody in Vegas who's there and doesn't feel like that they belong. You know, not just the crucifix guy who came in episode, what was it, episode five? Not mm -hmm. just him, but there's got to be a couple of other characters. And I mean, even with him, we didn't get backstory on him. It was just, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I, I dreamed about you and I knew that things were going wrong when I saw them, you know. When they first brought when, the slaves in. Yeah, when they started bringing slaves and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. Okay, but what is it about you? What, it, what was it about your personality? Like, if you are a person who is opposed to things like slavery and the things that you were seeing in New Vegas, how did you end up there in the first place? I would have liked to know that about some of the characters. You know, maybe that would have brought a little bit more balance into mm -hmm. the cast or the characters. So, yeah, and, and I was just saying, you know, you talked about the trash can man's history and his background. Perfect opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. You could have just given us that one. You gave us Lloyd, you gave us a little bit for him. Right. Um, but that's it, you know? Right. But then, even with Lloyd's character, you made him a person who you know, found himself in an un unusual circumstance, framed for murder, but then he kind of reveled in it. You know, mm -hmm. he was like, oh no, I didn't shoot this cop, but yeah, I'm getting all the attention. I'm getting the media, I'm getting the nickname, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to Vegas and you turn into a complete asshole. So it's like, again, that's not the kind of backstory I want, or that that's not the kind of character I want to see. I want to see the reverse Harolds and the reverse Nadines, the people who are there in Vegas and are probably mm -hmm. like, oh, you know what? I'm not supposed to be here. Let me try to leave. But if like people who just stumbled across civilization, like they right. were out, they had right. nowhere, they were nowhere. And they just stumbled across Vegas and like, oh my right. God, there's people here. Yeah. You know? And then, and chances are the only, the only people that if they had people like that in Vegas, those were probably the people that were up on the crucifixes when the Boulder mm. Three were being drove driven into town. Yeah, you know. But okay, let's let's move on with the episode Harold and Nadine. So we kind of see a flashback to the last episode, the last few minutes of the episode where they set off the bomb, and I think. It's interesting because they set off the bomb and Harold, once they see the explosion, Harold kind of gives 
another sociopathic response because he calls into the radio that has obviously blown up on the other end. He's like, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. 10 4, good buddy. That's, you know, that's a wrap or something like that. And then immediately when he does that, it's almost like that little piece of good that might be in him. It's almost like that little piece hit him in the back of the head and was like, dude, what are you doing? People just died. And it's it's like it startled him and he he threw the radios like like he was shaking for a little bit. And Nadine kind of had the same, the same expression. It was kind of like, whoa, did we, did we really just do this? It's kind of, it's, they came to a realization at that moment that, oh shit, we definitely can't turn back now. Like whatever path we are on, it's definitely headed West. Now there's, there's no way, there's no redemption. There's no take backs on this. Like we're done. And it was, it was interesting to see, you know, we talk about the way that the actors have um, portrayed these characters and we have spoken about Amber Heard in particular because of the fact that, you know, I've, I've said, yeah, I don't particularly care for her as an actress, but these last few episodes, I've gotten more comfortable with her portrayal of Nadine because she seems to like really be into the character now like she's figured out who this character is supposed to be what her strengths are what her weaknesses are and how she's supposed to play this character and she's supposed to be still at this point playing this girl as a conflicted character and it came across in the first part of this episode like it really did and then everything else started happening you know well, well, he Harold made the mistake of okay. So I was when he threw the walkies, and I was thinking, okay, well, in his mind, he realized I'm done. That's it. I've totally committed to mm-hmm. this path I'm on, and and then he had the, the audacity to turn to Nadine and try to give her some business. Like she reached out to touch him, and he was like, oh no, 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 no. You don't get to touch me anymore. I said, hold on, dude. You don't realize that you're going to wake up the real Nadine. Not mommy Nadine, but just the regular Nadine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because he he literally talked down to her like, you don't get to touch me. You know, he's going to give me someone who's going to make you look like a sack of potatoes. I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? And we talked about this last episode, they had the role reversal, yes. how she was the one in control, mm-hmm. and she was the one that was the, the bitch and treating him like trash. And all of a sudden, he thinks he can be the bitch and talk to her, you know, like she's trash. Mm-hmm. Dude, you just don't realize she's she's been kind of on the fence with, you know, who she was going between Nadine and Mommy Nadine. And... <laughs> And you, you're gonna, you're poking the sleeping giant. Right. But I was glad to see that scene too because they kept that from the <clears throat> mm-hmm. That's how it happened. And I, I was glad to see it. And then, of course, you know, um, we we talked about the scene in the desert. In oh, the- wait, wait. Before, before, you, before you go on, that it was also really good to hear him say, like, yeah, you're gonna get what you want. <laughs> I don't think you're prepared for it. Yes, yes. 
And speaking of which, th that's one change that they did make in the show that I did that another, or I should say, that's another change that they made in this episode that I didn't mind because in the book, um, when she meets up with Flag and they kind of consummate their relationship, she's still with Harold. It's still in all of this. And in, in this episode, they kind of wait until a little later in the episode to do it. And I love the way that it kind of played out, like the changes that they made to that scene and the way that it happened. I absolutely love the way they did it. So again, that's one good thing about this episode. Like I was, I was genuinely surprised with this episode. I was like, this is, this is kind of what I've been wanting for the last six episodes. Like you guys are on CP time. Why, why did it take you so long to get here? <laughs> you know, but so Harold and Nadine, they get on the road, they get on their bikes and they're, they're traveling, going west to Flag. And then, I don't know, I'm guessing that the way that they did it in this episode, in this show, this is a Nadine thing. But if I remember correctly, I think in the book, she was kind of being nudged by Randall Flag mm -hmm. to get rid of Harold or to leave him behind. So they're, they're, riding, on the, they're riding on the street and there's a lot of curves in the desert so they're riding on this asphalt and then she all of a sudden she accelerates and she starts leaving him and he's like what is she doing and of course he speeds up to try to keep up with her and he's telling her to slow down slow down and she looks up and there's a sign that the street is about to curve and i was like oh that's how the okay yeah let's see how this plays out so of course she slams on the brakes He's looking at her confused, trying to figure out what's going on. And then he slams into the um, the partition and he goes over the cliff. Now I have to say, the way that he fell over that cliff, <laughs> they did it in slow motion and he just flew and then he hit the tree. And not only did he break his leg, but he also impaled his shoulder on the tree. I was like, this is poetic justice. This is it was such a fitting punishment mm -hmm. for him and no and no sympathy found i looked no for it found. i was looking for it and i couldn't find it <laughs> couldn't find it wasn't couldn't looking for it. it i wasn't looking for it i i tried i couldn't find it <clears throat> i felt like this was such a great way to start the beginning of the end for his character because whereas he in his cruelty blew folks up and like you know they said it later in the episode when we went back to boulder larry had to ask the question are we even going to find enough of nick to bury that lets you know how completely obliterated he was mm -hmm. and Harold had no concern for that. He was just like, oh, how are we going to get this done? Let, yeah, let's kill every, let's kill everybody. That was the initial as, as many as we can. Let's yeah. kill everybody. So the fact that you and all your cruelty now get to die very extremely slowly in the desert and get abandoned by the person who you thought was going to lead you to glory, lead you to be to the big man so that you could collect your reward. Yeah, that was so satisfying to watch. And then she just looked at him. She was like, you know, it's better this way, Harold. 
You have to admit that because he didn't need you. He was going to kill you as soon as we got there. He needs me, you know, yeah. and Harold, oh, that just made him mad. But it was so satisfying to watch this scene. I just looked at TV like, hmm, even for fictional characters, I know we're not supposed to revel in someone's death, but yes, die slowly, Harold. <laughs> die very, very slowly. I want you to feel every single iota of pain. Right. And, and the person I was watching it with, she said, you know, yeah, he wasn't going to make it when he got there because there was no way, no way that Flat was going to have this guy who was sniffing her, you know, whatever, walking around. And this was supposed to be his queen. Yeah, he, he, he was done. Right. Anyway, yeah. Not only that, can you imagine a New Vegas with Lloyd and Harold? There's not enough room for that. There's, there's not enough room. There's not e even though Lloyd is just a clown, Harold is not a clown. This so, is true. Th there would have been a lot of conflict, though. There, there would have been, been a lot of conflict. But Lloyd is Randall Flagg's right-hand man. Right-hand man. There's right. no competition there. Yeah. Because, because for all of Lloyd's... Um, for him being a clown, for all his stupidity, for all his, you know, however he's acting, Randall Flagg has never that we've seen so far never turned on him never seemed aggravated with him you know when lloyd never questioned his loyalty never at all never you know and even when lloyd kind of started sounding maybe a little bit jealous of trash came in he he spoke to him like jealousy doesn't become you you're you're my right hand man we're we're good you know so randall randall flag is loyal to the people who are loyal to him and I think that he knew that even though Harold was doing that because he was quote-unquote misled or because he was being led to do it ultimately Harold was not doing that for flag Harold was doing that for Harold yeah he was doing it for himself he was doing it for himself he, he had selfish motivate selfish reasons for doing yeah he wasn't he wasn't 100% on the Randall Flat gravy train. Yeah, and he, he wouldn't have been satisfied with whatever Randall had given him. Because no. it, wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been enough. Yeah, you want to know why? Because he Randall could give him everything he wants. He could have given him the most beautiful woman, like he told Nadine. He could have given him the penthouse. He could have given him everything that he wanted. But Harold would still be Harold. Mm -hmm. And he would never be satisfied. He would never be satisfied. Never. Because you have to think about it. Even if he goes to Vegas, even if he has all of that, he's still going to be pissed because the one girl he loved didn't choose him. He's never going to be still reject, Still rejected him. Still rejected him. <laughs> still, so, they were the last two people on there still rejected him. Right. So... He would have never made it in, in Vegas. He wouldn't have. He would have said something stupid or he would have tried to he would have tried to maybe work his way up the chain in some not not so loyal ways or he might have started some discord within the group or he may have tried to leave and start his own thing. What? This is all this is all speculation, but I could totally see him 
going up to Lloyd and being like, I killed all those people for him. And Lloyd would be like, look around. <laughs> I built all of this right. for him. You know, because that's Lloyd's thing. This is what Lloyd's fantasy, everything you see was happening in Vegas. That is Lloyd. Mm-hmm. You know, all Randall said was do whatever. And Lloyd was like, Bring me my I, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> you know, I gotcha, boss. And everything that you see, all that stuff going on in the lobbies, the fight pit, the slaves, the, the debauchery, the orgies, the, the all of that is all of that is what all you look at here and like, you see all of this. This is me. Right. I did this right. for him. Plus, I got the hot chick on my um, on my side. <laughs> right. She may not want right. to be there, but she's there. <laughs> you know? So so, yeah. so that would have been the end of, of Harold. Yes. But yeah, we, we, we said all that to say Harold wasn't going to make it to Vegas no matter right. what. Right, he wasn't. No matter what. He wasn't. But, um, but seeing him die that way was, was satisfactory. Yeah, and, and to see the vultures waiting for him to die. Right. <laughs> We got nothing but time. That's yeah. all we got. Yeah. And, well, um, I, but I, I will say that that was a, a nifty bit of effects for the thing sticking through his shoulder, mm-hmm. the branch, because it did not move. And I could not see where it was obscure. Being, it may have been a practical, but even as practical, it is hard to get something like that to stay as still as it was. So I'm sure it was digital, but it was really good. Yeah. But because it did not move. Not he even was squirming in my it didn't squirming. He was writing. He was trying to eat and it just, yeah. It, stayed it, it did not move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So back in Boulder, we see the aftermath of the bomb. Um a lot of the people are at the clinic and you've got a lot of injuries. We don't find out exactly how many people died. We do know that quite a few did. And at that point, Mother Abigail is still has still not gained consciousness. And so Larry and Glenn, they have, you know, a conversation where they kind of determined that Harold was the one who did it. And then Larry realizes that, yeah, Harold may have planned this. He may have built the bomb, but he wasn't the one that brought it in the house. And that's when he realizes that it was Nadine. Now, this, I will say, as far as, far as that scene, I understand that they were in shock because of what happened. But I did not feel any emotion in that scene. Like your your neighborhood, your home just got blown up. One of your people who, you know, in the original story, they were all really good friends. One of your one of your main people just got blown up like he was literally ground zero. You've got Franny in the hospital, you've got Mother Abigail unconscious you just found out that Harold and Nadine the woman that you kind of sort of had feelings for may have been in love with were the architects of this whole thing 
and I felt nothing coming from those two characters. And I mean, we said it, we said it in the last episode. I think we've said it in a couple of episodes since they brought them on. They're not doing enough with Glenn Bateman, not nearly enough as he was, you know, he's not as big in this show as he was in the story, in the original story mm-hmm. and in even in the other miniseries. But I it it just felt so it felt so empty in that scene, that conversation between them. I, I understand what you're saying. I would give, I would give them this. I'm trying not to give the writers too much credit, but as Glenn, the way he's written on the show, he's very pragmatic, very down to earth, very centered, and he wouldn't be that emotional because for him, it's over and done with. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they could do about it. On the other hand. Larry can be an emotional basket case. So I would have expected a little bit more from him, but he also was out fighting the fires. So that could have drained him as well. And if anything, if, if he was, if drained, anything, that would, to me, that would have made, that would have given him an excuse to be more emotional, I would think. It's like you're out there fighting fires, and then when you come in and you're talking about what caused the fires and who caused the fires, and then you have to think about that, like, oh my God. I mean, because you have to think maybe Larry is feeling some kind of guilt because you're putting together your last couple of encounters with her when she came to your house and she's throwing herself at you and she's trying to get you to sleep with her. And she's saying, if you don't do this, he won't let me go. And it's like now, again, Larry has got to be thinking that she was either talking about Harold or she was talking about the dark man. Either um, way um, he knows, he should be holding some guilt right now. Um, I'm thinking that he had, again, given writers too much credit, he already had an idea. I think he had already worked it out by the time he got there and all those emotions, he probably got out fighting the fire. And all he got from Glenn was sort of like a confirmation over what he had already felt. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, I understand what you're saying, that that scene sort of lacked you, you, it wasn't sort of what you expected. It lacked some levity. It, yeah, it wasn't what you expected. Mm-hmm. But I think for for expediency's sake and for just how the characters are written, like I said, Glenn is pragmatic. He's just going to be like, it's over and done with. There isn't really much we can do at this point. And I'm just assuming Larry had already worked it out and whatever emotions he had, he exhausted him fighting the fire because he looked like a defeated man when he walked in there. And all he got from Glenn was sort of like a confirmation of what he had already figured out. Yeah. And and also, and also supernatural wise, all of that burden would be taken off of them because they have another task that's ahead of them and they don't need to be weighted down by those emotions. But see, you didn't know that. They didn't know that at that time because Mother Abigail was still unconscious. No, no. They they don't have to know it yet. 
you know, because that, that's how supernatural works. Oh, okay. It's, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It, it was it was that weight was already taken away, you know, taken off of them. Mm-hmm. So they can be ready for what's ahead. Yeah, I guess. I mean but I know what you what you were looking for is not what they gave you. So I understand that because I would have sort of expected it too. But you know, I just kind of worked it out in my head. I was like, I I can see why they wouldn't you know, try to drag you down because they're about to be dragged down again. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you, I'm just thinking about, you know, when we left the last episode, Nadine had picked Joe up from Larry's house and Larry realized that she had taken the batteries out of his radio. So he couldn't, he couldn't communicate with anyone. And then she disabled his motorcycle so that he couldn't go to the meeting and you have to think that as he's walking there, trying to get there, and he sees this big explosion, it has to hit him in that moment how close he came to death. Like, if she didn't have a conscience, if she didn't feel anything for him, she could have just as easily let him go. I think that was the plan earlier in the day. And then because she realized that he cared for Joe so much and Joe cared for him, Mommy Nadine, that part of her had to think somebody's going to have to take care of Joe when I'm gone. But I also think part of it was she she felt for him too. Oh yeah, that, definitely that. Yeah. But I think her I think her emotions for Joe probably over overrode her emotions for Larry, and she had to think, okay, somebody's got to take care of Joe when I'm gone because even mm-hmm. in the books. Um, Joe actually was living with Larry, and uh, Larry had a a girlfriend in the books, Lucy. And Joe actually went to go live with them and left Nadine because he sent something wasn't right. You know, and I think, like I said, Joe had a little bit of a, um, he was a little bit sensitive in the book to where he could kind of see things that were coming or predict things that were gonna happen. And we kind of sort of saw a little bit of that in the last episode with Joe, not necessarily that he could predict anything or see anything, but he was able to hear Mother Abigail when she spoke to Randall Flagg. So I, I think I think it was her concern for him more than anything. And then because of Larry, because Larry did kind of say, you know, hey, I screwed up with you last night. You know, that's not how I should have handled the situation. And she realized that, okay, you know what? As far as guys go, he could have been a lot worse. He could have actually taken advantage of me and done something that I didn't want. And then who knows how Flag would have reacted if she had gone through with that. So, you know, but um, yeah, once she leaves, once she leaves Boulder, she has definitely uh, committed to the mm-hmm. other side. You know, she... She traps Harold. She leads him basically to his death. And then she leaves him. And then as she's driving through the desert, she sees a vision of Flag in the desert. She gets off her bike. She goes to him in the desert. And at first, I couldn't tell. I was like, okay, did he really, like, I don't know, beam her into Vegas? Because it looked like she was in Vegas and then you could kind of see as her 
it's almost like she was at war with herself. Like she knew something wasn't right, but she was trying to be in it because this was what she had literally waited for for so long since she was 12. And that still mm -hmm. eats me out. But, you know, so she comes to him and he tells her, you did what you said you were going to do. You saved yourself for me. And of course, they have their their consummation. And that scene was a little bit different because in the original story, and of course, we're going to compare. In the original story, the moment that he entered her was when she felt like this is wrong. This is not what I should have done. And in this version, she seemed to be really enjoying herself until he climaxed and she felt like something was wrong. And she said, something feels wrong. Something's not right. Something's not right. He told her to shut up. And then when she opened her eyes, she saw his true form. And mm -hmm. it was just kind of like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. And then they're in the desert. And then in the next scene, I was really confused for like the rest of the show until the very end and the reveal because you see him in this this nice classic car and she's walking out of the desert and she's got on like a bridal dress and you know her hair has turned the the blondish white color and she's walking like she's on air and I was listening to the music playing and I knew that there was some kind of spell on her but it was still weird to watch because she looked like she was actually enjoying being there with him and then something happened with her stomach and it kind of jolted her out of the fantasy and she kind of looked around like okay what's going on where am I and then when she looks at him it's almost like she falls under the spell again she goes back to being relaxed and you know feeling like oh I'm on top of the world this is the best thing blah 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 and then in Vegas you see her again, she's got the white dress on and all you can see is her back while he's up in the air levitating. You know, at this point, it's later on in the episode, he's watching the car with the Boulder people pull in and he tells her to go downstairs and greet the guests. So she goes downstairs and when she walks out the room, the two people outside the room are looking at her really weird and I was like, why are they looking at her weird? Like she was, she was flawless. What we saw. Hair was like her reflection. We saw her reflection. Oh, see, I, I missed the reflection. I didn't see yeah, the reflection. We... I saw her and she looked the way that she thought she looked, you know? Mm -hmm. No, we never saw the her we never saw the front of her. We only saw her reflection in the elevator. Oh yes. Okay, yes, you're right. We so, never saw we, we saw her hair being straight, but then well, I don't even think we saw her hair being straight until she was on the elevator. But we only saw her face. Yes, you're right, reflection. because she was facing the elevator. So we were seeing the reflection. You're right. And yeah. I mean, she was just she was flawless. She was sitting there and she was just all just kind of waving like, yes, I'm on top of the world. I'm in the best position. And I was trying to figure out why the two people were looking at her. Like, I thought they were going to attack her at first. And I was like, they wouldn't be stupid enough to attack Randall's queen. So why are they looking at her like that? Mm -hmm. And then she gets downstairs and she greets Larry and Glenn and Ray. And she was like, Hello, friends. Welcome to Boulder. And then when you turn around and you see that reveal, 
she looks like a freaking zombie like <laughs> and she's pregnant like fully pregnant and yeah. i was just like whoa and it's moving so- and it, and it's like moving inside of her which which if you're that far pregnant that that is an actual thing that happens it looked okay. I've seen it. It looked like a little bit more. <laughs> it, it, it did. It, did. it looked but like a little bit more. It was not what I was expecting from the show, and that's one of the things where I was like, "Okay, this is actually a really good episode." Because in the other, in in the book, and in the other show, Laura San Giacomo, the way that she played Nadine's character, it was really like in the book. Like after they consummated their relationship, she was pretty much catatonic. You know, mm-hmm. she she never really spoke. Her hair turned white. She was she was fearful. Like people would walk near her and she would flinch. If he would come near her to touch her, she would flinch. And then whenever he would talk, you know, he would hold her and lead her to sit down, whatever. You could hear her kind of like, uh, like, like she was scared. And you didn't get this in this version. Like she was very much confident, like, oh, I'm the queen and I'm, this is what I worked for. And it's like, every time something kind of tried to poke into her consciousness to let her know that something wasn't right, it's like the veil dropped again and and she was back walking on cloud nine. So to see that revealed at the end, it was startling, but it was, it was fun to watch. I was like, oh, this was probably one of the best changes that they've done in this show it was fun to watch i was just like oh she doesn't even know what she looks like like she she's she has he's he's put a spell on her like the song said yes you know and and it was interesting when when she stopped on her motorcycle and followed the lily the the rose petals Mm -hmm. and and saw the red carpet and she was in vegas and i was like she doesn't realize she's still in the desert mm-hmm. and a couple of times she looked down and she saw sand like her feet was in sand he was like no stay with me mm-hmm. and he would kind of bring her back to his fantasy yeah um, i'm not going to go back over everything you said but the, all of it was really good but i have questions like did he teleport his car there you know because the car wasn't there when her motorcycle stopped. I would think somebody was, with Shadow Flag's powers has the ability to um, just w- will it there. You know? The power of metamorphosis doesn't seem like a, a, a stretch for him. Like, oh, I want a car. Oh, there's a car. It just doesn't seem like a big deal and it was something that would keep her in the illusion yeah okay just saying you know it we had something well i can't remember we talked about something else um where someone was making oh <laughs> wonder woman where if if you can create farm animals out of nothing and you can create nuclear bombs out of nothing why didn't they give steve trevor a body out of nothing and so it just seemed 
I'm, I'm really be, there still has to be limitations. There still has to be rules on, on your power. Like we know that he is not all powerful. He right. cannot see into Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, into Boulder mm-hmm. until Mother Abigail was weak. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't able to keep them from killing Judge, um, um, what's you call it? Yeah, mm-hmm. he couldn't figure out who the third um, spy was. Mm-hmm. He's not all powerful, but he's just powerful enough to make a car out of thin air. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just it. I I need he he has limits. We know this, but he he can't he can't be all powerful and not powerful at the same time. Yeah. You know, why do you need to send what's to go get a nuclear bomb when you could just make a nuclear bomb there if you want to? You know. That I because, think probably is more about controlling someone and and the idea of loyalty than it is about him saying oh i i want this nuclear bomb i mean it could it could be all of that as well but this is the way i kind of look at it so one of the big themes in this story book or screen is the battle between good and evil mother abigail is supposed to be a representative of god and Randall Flagg is supposed to be a representative of the devil. Now, anyone who deals with religion, studies religion, believes in that whole concept of heaven and hell and God and the devil, they will tell you that Satan is powerful. He's very powerful. He's not more powerful than God. He can do some things. He can probably conjure some things, but there's probably going to be limits to his power because if he can do everything, then that means he's on an even playing field with God. And God's not supposed God God's not going to let that happen. I look at it kind of the same way with these characters. Like Mother Abigail, as long as she was strong, he couldn't see into Boulder. He couldn't get past her defenses. Once she started getting weak. He was able to kind of do more, manipulate more, you know, work his way into Boulder a little bit more. He still couldn't get fully in there because she had to leave Boulder or she had to leave the neighborhood in order for them to even see face to face. Because, and I think that was really because she had her protection over the town. She left her magic there because she was going to seek an audience with God. She was going to repent. You don't need your magic there if you if if you're a person like Mother Abigail and you trust in what God is sending you to do and what He's requiring you to do. What do you need magic to protect yourself from Him for? You you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that He probably does have the power to do some of that stuff. And again, the whole nuclear warhead thing was something that He didn't come up with. In the original story, that was something trash kind of brought. That's true. He did. He did that on his own. You know, so. So, but you know, it was still good. I, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, but I, it's I, interesting. Yeah. He was able to he, to keep her in that fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, to, and, and enthrall her because she was already halfway there anyway. He's he spent 
all these years grooming her from 12 years old. Yeah. But then there was still still enough of the old hurt in there to kind of fight it a little bit. And I think that's probably what was happening when she was coming out of the spell, you know, when she thought she was in Vegas and then she looked down and she saw that she was still in the desert. I think that was part of her conscience trying to still fight for her because we know that she wasn't entirely evil this whole time even when they blew up mother abigail's house you could still kind of see she was kind of in that days like what did we just do did we just do it and it's kind of like she was trying to reconcile those two sides of herself together but she is she is fighting herself and i think, and I think kind of what we were saying yeah, I think part of that is one of the changes they made to the story by making her younger is to basically say she never had a chance to make a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone else pretty much has made a choice, but she never was given the opportunity to make a choice. And, and I think that part of her is is what keeps fighting. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it will be, maybe she will have her redemption moment or she will have a turn. You know, like in the you don't think so. You know what happens in the original. I know. Once she realizes that she is carrying the spawn of the devil, she takes a high dive from the penthouse. I don't see that changing in this, especially if she actually breaks from the spell and she sees what she looks like. And this is what she has to go through the rest of her life looking at like, like she can see her own reflection and be beautiful to herself. But this is what everybody else is going to see for the rest of your life. Yeah, I don't see Nadine making it out of this. I don't. No. Because in, in the in the book, didn't he throw her off? Nope. She she pitched. She killed herself. She committed suicide. Okay. He was okay. he was dealing with something else. I think Lloyd had come in to talk to him about something and she kind of just Again, she's been catatonic, so he hasn't really paid attention to her because she doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything. She literally sits like a statue for the most part. And then while he's distracted, she gets up and she goes to the window. And I think at this point, I think the the bolder people had come in. She had found, uh, he had found out something else had happened. Oh, I think this was when he found out about the trash can man sabotaging the airfield. And (laughs) she looked at him and she laughed and she said, she said, all, you know, everything that you've planned for is, is coming to an end. You're, you're going to fail. And he starts trying to coax her from the window and she literally lets go and falls backward. And she falls to her death because she doesn't want to carry that spawn. So that's what happens in the original. See, I thought in the I thought in the book that she like goaded him and he got upset and threw her over. I think you know what? I think maybe I think in the series she may have Laura Sandra come may maybe jumped off, but I think in the book that that she she like I can't remember what happened, but she she started like poking at him and goading him and, and being mean to him and he just got pissed off and threw her over the side. Mm, I think I think you might be right. 
So, but either way it goes, yeah, she. Either way, she ain't she ain't long for this world. House <laughs> platform. So, I don't see, I don't see that changing in this one. Like I said, especially because they've shown shown us what her real face is now, and mm. and the fact that she's like fully pregnant, like you just went through a whole pregnancy in a day like she beat Wanda's record <laughs> she's she not half <laughs> she's she not halfway pregnant she she all the way pregnant. she is full term ready to the, deliver the baby is coming out as as soon as the Boulder 3 get there <laughs> right so yeah but you know we, we talk about the, the Boulder 3 who are on their way so back in Boulder Mother Abigail she does she does regain consciousness and she tells Ray to get everyone in here, everyone being the remaining four plus Ray. And she tells them that she has sinned and, you know, she, she kind of thought herself greater than what, what God made her. And that was her sin. And then she tells them, you are to go West. You are to go this day take nothing but the clothes on your back don't take don't pack anything don't take anything you are to walk um what was the other thing she said she said one of you will stop, fall but one of you will fall will fall but it's not in my mind to know who <laughs> and she tells them that all of them may not make it back and then she tells franny very specifically you have to stay here so um, the scene that follows afterwards is Stu and Franny having a talk. And again, this is one of those scenes that in the book, you know, Franny was angry. She was upset and she lash, she was lashing out, you know, and, and some of that was grief because after mother Abigail says all of this to them, she dies. So some of it was grief and you could feel the grief heavy in this scene, but I felt like it needed more. I just it it was kind of like the the whole defeated okay I understand this is what she says has to happen this is what she said God has to, says has to happen and this is what we have to do I wanted a little more fight from Franny because that's who her character was and I just felt like it was just okay she says you have to do this this is what we're going to do but then you also get Stu um, confessing to her that he should have listened to her about Harold. And I was like, yeah, it's a little bit too late. Yeah, for <laughs> it's too late, too late to say that now, sir. A little right. late. I should have listened to you. Right. But right. Again, so many people wouldn't have died. Mm. You know. Else do. Right. But you see, right before she dies, this is where Mother Abigail puts Stu in charge. And you would think if you're not familiar with the story, you think, okay, he's going to leave them. They're going to go to Vegas, blah, 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 blah. We know that's not going to happen because Stu is the one who falls by the way. He doesn't die. He just breaks his leg and he has to get left behind. But again, it goes back to what we've been saying. I feel like James Marsden has not been used enough in this show because we have not seen enough of Stu. Stu is supposed to be one of the main characters in the story, and we've barely seen him. He's been like... Yeah. And, and, and But then now, retroactively, it, it kind of makes sense that if he wasn't the leader, but that's that wasn't... Because he was the one kind of giving commands, like the night, you know, the night watch, 
he organized the night watch. They wanted him to speak to the crowd. Everyone kind of looks at him as leader. But she said, Mother Abigail said she thought Nick was leader, but I thought Nick was her voice. So it just it just threw me aback, took me aback a little bit when she said she thought Nick was the leader. But everyone's been pretty much acting like Stu was a de facto leader. I think the way that I read that line is that she, her saying that she thought Nick was the leader was kind of, that was the part of her sin because Nick was her voice and everybody looked to her as the leader of the community. She just automatically, okay, well, Nick is my voice. So he's the leader. And remember when she went to have that conversation with them in the clinic, she said, I told y'all anything you have to say to me, you talk to Nick. And anything that Nick tells you, you are to take it as if he is speaking directly for me. Yeah. So I, and I think that was part of the quote unquote sin that she said. She okay. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. because it seemed like everyone else was treating Stu as if he was a leader. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, not the mother Abigail is the leader leader, but everyone was looking to Stu for leadership. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, in things that she wasn't talking about, organizing the body pickup, organizing the search parties, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in the community looking at him to to speak about what's going on. Yeah. So it does make sense. Maybe that was her sin that she didn't realize that that's that's what was really was going on. Right. So I, I don't know. I just found that in- interesting. Yeah, it was. But, oh, let's see. Still- oh, and oh, b- before you go on, mm-hmm. and it also seemed that, that Fran was sort of having some doubts about everything that was going on. Like, she was like, well, she made Stu promise that he would come back. She's like, swear it. He's like, well, I swear I'll try. Because she said, well, God can't control everything. Mm-hmm. And see, that's the line in that's the line in the book and in the show where she's lashing out. She was like, yeah. "No, you have to promise me you'll come back." He can't control everything. He can't control you know? everything. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, you know, I guess at the same time, it the scene kind of works too because if you're about to leave and go on this 800 mile journey on foot that you're not going to, that you don't even know if you're going to make it back from, I guess the, you know, the last thing you want to do is get into an argument or be made to feel even more guilty than you are. So I can, I can kind of understand that, but um, I think also too, she was maybe not trying to talk him out of it, but he, you know, he did say that if he were to catch up to Harold, he was going to make him pay. And she was like, but that's not what God wants you to do. But you're going right. to do it anyway. He was like, well, if I catch him. If I catch like, I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it was more so just she was trying to put him in a different frame of mind, you know, to, to go out on this long journey. And I can understand that it's just, it just seemed too quiet for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just like, even even with knowing the story and how that scene plays out, knowing that, you know, Stu's about to leave, 
I just almost felt like something else was about to happen because it was so quiet. It was so calm. It was so tempered. And I was just like, why do I feel like something is about to happen? Like, that's not supposed to happen, but it just kind of felt that with that scene. Mm-hmm. But no, all we got was a sad goodbye and Joe telling Larry goodbye and him him giving Larry a hug. And it's it's sad because I feel like now when Joe does that, he knows that that person's not coming back. You know, which is which is sort which is sort of a, a echoing of what Nadine said about the kids and the vigils, mm-hmm. like they knew that all those people died. Yeah. And so for Joe, it's like, he's lost Nadine. He's never going to see her again. Mm-hmm. And now he's losing Larry. And he did the same Probably. thing with Nadine. You know, he tried to grab mm-hmm. her and hug her before she left. Mm-hmm. Because I think her. he knew that he wasn't going to see her again. Yeah. You know, and um, we don't get to, we don't get to see him react. We don't get to hear what he thinks. But again he seemed i won't say well adjusted he doesn't seem well adjusted but it's almost like he knew that nadine was wasn't coming back and he knew of course he said to larry mom and nadine and nadine are two different people it's like he knew that she was going to do something bad and of course if you you know what happens even though he was far from the blast i'm sure they they felt it i'm sure they heard it they probably saw a lot of the aftermath and it was probably just him like I knew it. But Mm -hmm. as a kid, what can you say? Would anybody have even listened to him if he tried to say anything? We already know that he he suspected Harold. He didn't like Harold at all. You know, so it's just one of those things. I feel so sorry for Joe. I think Joe's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. I know. He's going to be all right. I know. But um, so, of course, they, they go on this walk across the states <laughs> I you know we mentioned this we mentioned this as far as pacing a few episodes back and you were talking about Deathly Hallows part one where they were walking through the forest <laughs> did you think that too <laughs> I did I said Hanukkah was gonna say Anthony I know what you're gonna say <laughs> it was Deathly Hallows again and I told the person I'm here with you know, related to by marriage. We had it. I was like, here we go. A montage. Mm-hmm. Walking across the country. Mm-hmm. Walking over the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like, this is time they could have spent, just like in Deathly Hollows, you could have spent the time on all the stuff you cut out from the books. That's just, true, but I, but at the same time, like, it, it wasn't necessary. It, it wasn't necessary. It didn't bother me, though, because here's the it thing. It wasn't necessary. But here's the thing. You are talking about people who are walking on an 800 mile journey. You have to at least see some of that journey because then them coming across Harold makes more sense. Do you, okay. And, it, and they really- he's, he's, Even if we do 30 miles, even if we do 30 miles a day for what, 900 miles, that's gonna take a month, right? A month. You you don't have to try to convey that in a two and a half minute montage. You really don't. We already know. We already know it's gonna take forever. You don't have to waste time showing us it's gonna take forever. 
we know that because you're not going to see there be like, if that's the case, do it for 15 minutes. This is this go all differently. How no, they no. spend no. half the movie no. on them, you know, having no. campfires, walking across. The that would have been too much. Looking they for fresh water. Perfect. I think, uh, I think they got we'll, we'll just have to we'll just have to agree to disagree. <laughs> but you are we are we know it's going to take forever. You, you we didn't even even the Deathly Hollows, they didn't know how long they were gonna be out there. So it makes sense for them to show that there was a lot of time when they were just walking around doing nothing. And because they didn't know in the book. <laughs> oh, I know, but they didn't know. You know, they didn't yeah. know what they were supposed, they That's didn't hear. These people know where they're going and they know exactly how long it's going to take. And they made sure to tell us, oh, we'll get there by, what did you say? By uh, May. The last week of February. <laughs> the last week of February, a month. We know this. You've, you've told us this. You don't have to show it to us anymore. Either you show us or tell us. Don't do both. Yeah. You know, and I, and I guess we'd have to disagree. I just think the time could have been well spent on something else. Like you could have taken some other stuff in the past episodes that we could have used that you cut out. You could just bump everything two and a half minutes more. Just I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> more, because I I really didn't need to see them. If they were going to do that, they could have actually shown Ray showing them how to get some fresh water. <laughs> give me, give me that, because that would have been a payoff for that line, because that was brilliant. Yeah, that line was. Funny. You know what I'm saying. So what? Y'all looking at the only engine woman to tell y'all how to find fresh water? They were like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly." She was like, "They were like, do you know how?" She was like, "Of course." So I liked that. That that, that was funny. It was a cute little moment. So um, that was fun. But yeah, so anyway. And, and I, I mind, I mind, I have an issue with all of that, the montage, if you could have at least put some dialogue in. That's all I'm asking for. If you're not going to put any dialogue in, don't do it. Because you already told us how long it's going to take. It was mine the way it was. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, as I mentioned, one of the purposes about them going on this long walk and them showing us this montage is that they came across a bike and they recognized it immediately as Harold's bike. So of course they look over down into the ravine and Harold, you know, they've been walking for a while. So Harold has, um, at this point, he has uh, committed suicide. You know, he wrote in his little notebook and then he pulled the trigger, killed himself. Well, and, as he said, he took the coward's way out. Yeah. Like coward's he was talking way. about who was that? He was talking about his friend. Teddy, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Teddy yeah. He yep. took the coward's way out. The coward's oh, way out. Okay. But I mean, he he really didn't he really didn't have much of a choice. I mean, it's not like he was going to get up and and change his mind and actually get up and go do something else. It's kind of he really didn't have any other choice. But they come across his body, and of course, he's fairly decomposed by now. The vultures are eating his skin and his eyeballs out. And Larry decides to go down and cover his body. And of course, the others are like, no, he doesn't deserve it. And Ray is like really pissed. She's really pissed. But Larry, you know, and we, we talked about this. Larry, deep down, is a good guy. And that he's, he's been, very good. 
He's very and good. that could have been one of the things where maybe he just thought, okay, you know what? I didn't show empathy for Nadine when she needed it. So maybe I can show this now, you know? And like he, like he told Ray, he said, whatever he did, Harold is the reason I got to Boulder in the first place. I followed his signs. He was the one that led me there. So I can at least do this one little kindness for him. And, you know, it was, it was a nice gesture. And he goes down and he reads Harold's note. And of course, like I said, Harold talks about his childhood and he talks about the bullies and he talks about how he might've made different decisions and he wouldn't have been in that same place. But he says, yes, I may have been misled, but I will, I, I admit that I did this of my own free will. And, you know, he signed it Hawk, which was the name that they nicknamed they gave him in Boulder. And maybe if he had tried to become that person, like he talked about at the end of episode one, maybe things would have turned out a little bit differently from him. But I don't think that was. Yeah, but no, because even even he said, nah, I'm not that. When he was talking about the person, he could be like, nah, I don't want to be that. Right. He had the choice. Yeah. And again, that's not Harold. That's not who he was. That that would have been, I think for him, that would have been taking the coward's way out in his mind. Yeah. And what you said earlier about that dude was really a justification. Like, yeah, I was bullied. I wish I could have been different. And, you know, and, but I did it on my own. No, dude, you, you basically just said everyone around you made you who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much their fault that you did this, right? But you want to say you did it on your own, right? No, you didn't. You you've been manipulated at the very all the way up until the end. You were manipulated. You let her manipulate you into killing yourself, you know? Yeah. Nadine, I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm forcing you to chase her so she can set you up for that. That's you being manipulated all your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that justification is is not is not sufficient. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking it was gonna be a note with some regret, some remorse. No, I did it and I would freely do it again because that's who I am. But okay, I mean that's why you are where you are. He's a classic huh? narcissist. Yeah. You know, always blaming others for his faults and what he does and his behaviors and his actions and never mm-hmm. take you know, never taking, never taking responsibility. Like I said, he did take that responsibility. He did at least claim ownership. Let me say that. He didn't take responsibility. He claimed ownership. You know, he is, it's almost like an abuser, you know? Oh yeah. I know, you know, I know I hit you and I did this thing, but you made me do it. You know, and it's, it's something we see in TV and we, we've seen it in, TV shows and movies and books. Oh, I wouldn't hit you if I didn't love you so much. What? What kind of twisted logic is that? It's kind of the same thing that he has in this this note. It's just kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't have turned out this way if y'all had just, if my parents had loved me, if Amy hadn't have been so popular, if, you know, just that sort of thing. Like you guys made me do this because you didn't love me enough. No, Harold, you did this because you didn't love yourself enough. Period, point blank. You know, but he got what well, he he had it coming. He had it he coming. Had it coming. <laughs> yeah. 
So he he got what was coming to him, but Larry and uh, and and side side note, those vultures aren't going to care about that jacket. <laughs> At all. They aren't, but it but it was a nice gesture. <laughs> it, was it was a nice, nice gesture. gesture. It was very nice of Larry to want to do that and you know maybe take some responsibility for whatever he felt like was his own part to play in that. You know, I'm sure he felt a little bit of guilt for breaking into Harold's house, especially since at that time they didn't have anything concrete to suspect him of. It was just kind of a gut feeling, but I mean, you live in an apocalypse world where you dreamt of a woman and actually found her when you went to where you dreamt she was. Trust your gut feeling. Chances mm-hmm. are it's right, you know? So, um, but they, you know, Larry covers Harold and they continue on their way until they reach a gap in the road because the the road has been washed out. So there's literally like a divide in the highway that's several feet long. And so they have to climb down into the ravine to cross it and then climb back up to get on the other stretch of road. And of course, we all know what happens. They make it down with no problems. Three of them make it up, Stu, gets up there he gets to the top and then as he's trying to climb up the asphalt breaks and he tumbles all the way back down he breaks his leg he has to leave behind uh he has to be left behind and larry i you know i give it to you for larry larry was not about to let him stay behind he was like nope we're gonna we're gonna we're not leaving you we're gonna carry you we're gonna sit here and try to and Stu is like nope no, this is what's supposed to happen. Mother Abigail said one of us was would fall. I literally fell. <laughs> you know? She said it. This is what happens. You guys have to go on. Luckily, Kojak decides to stay behind with him, which, you know, poor, yeah. Glenn, poor Glenn. He doesn't Glenn. know what happened to Kojak. That, that's his emotional support dog. <laughs> yeah, well. That, but that's the thing about prophecies. Where he's going. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing about prophecies is that they don't they don't really express exactly what they are. Like it literally meant you fail. Mm-hmm. They were probably thinking fall as in die. Yeah. No, fall as in they thought fall. Actually, she meant literally. She meant literally. You're gonna fall and and you're not gonna make the journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. No, yeah, you, and you, they. You li- and they didn't get too much further than that before a limousine pulls up and it's Lloyd. He was it's like, Lloyd. yeah, we've been waiting for you. Boss man said you guys were going to come out of that cavern at the exact moment that you did. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Um, I, I was thinking, yeah, Lloyd is not going to take any chances. That was my first thought. Like, you're not going to trust it to the Border Patrol <laughs> no, 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 no. Not after last time. <laughs> Not after last time. <laughs> but Flag probably told him he was like, "No, these three are important. Yeah. You need to. You go need to go get them." You know, Judge Ferris. Again, I'm sorry that it has to be that way. She was a throwaway character. She wasn't anybody important. Yeah. She it wasn't was anybody that was. She wasn't anybody that was singled out by Mother Abigail. That's the thing. She was just sent by the ragtag bunch. You know. And she didn't pose a threat to him. These three 
pose a threat because they are being sent by Mother Abigail who commanded them saying that that was what God commanded. Mm -hmm. So he knows that, okay, so whatever they are doing here, it's got to be important. It's got to be dangerous, uh, you know, or it could be, a, at, at the very least, it could be a minor inconvenience to me. So, yeah, you're not going to send the Bobby Terry's of your world to go and get them. <laughs> you're gonna send your most trusted loyal person and clown yeah. he may be but that person is lloyd that person is lloyd so looking like a clown his his wardrobe is is awesome you know <laughs> it is not we have very different different definitions of awesome that is not awesome, <laughs> it was awesome. that is it not was. Awesome. it's fresh as the kids used to say right but you know um, you you get to see you get to see them come in. Well, at least we know they didn't have to walk all 900 miles. That's a good thing. That's but a good thing. We got a really good moment between um, Larry and Stu, where yeah. Stu passes the torch of leadership to Larry. Yeah, yeah. When when he Larry is refusing to leave, and Stu asks him, he says, "Did you did you grow up in church? Did you go to church?" And Larry says, yes. And he says, do you remember Psalm 23? So he starts reciting it. And Stu makes him stop when he says, I will fear no evil. And he's like, say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. I will, feel no, I will fear no evil. And it's like he's having to convince Larry to say that because I think that's the thing that Larry does fear. He's like, I don't know what we're about to walk into, but it was enough to make two people that we thought we knew kill other people that we knew. Yeah. Mother Abigail is gone. Stu is about to be left behind. They they don't know what they're walking into. And I think Larry at this point, you know, we can make the joke, you know, he's the one brother in the thing. He's like, no, I'm not going in there. Mm -mm. Nope, you guys go first. And I think he's, he's having that kind of moment. And yeah. Stu has to kind of talk him Talk him into it. Hey, I need and to. He, and, and he asked him, he said, why me? And Stu says, because I have a good feeling about you. Yeah. And we talk a lot about, I think before I mentioned that these people that Mother Abigail put in charge, they all have good instincts about others. Mm -hmm. They all have good instincts about others. And Stu showed there, he's like, I have a good feeling about you. His father was instinct. Yeah, I have a good feeling about you. And he, at the last, you know, I will feel no evil. He said, "Look at me, and mean it." Mm -hmm. Because those other times he didn't mean it. He uh -uh. said, "I want you." It's to look like, at okay, me. I'm just saying it because you told me to say it. Yeah. But that, that was really good. That was one of the moments that I, I thought really helped this episode because mm -hmm. I, I thought it was a pretty good episode. And then, and then you have the goodbye between Glenn and Stu, who, of course, in the in the book and in the original miniseries, they pretty much are best friends. So mm -hmm. having to leave Stu behind, Glenn was not okay with that. But again, like you said, in this version, Glenn is very pragmatic. He's very matter of fact. He's very much okay. This is what we have to do. So let's do it. Let's you know, 
us hemming and hawing and and being sad it's not going to change the fact that we need to get this done and the last time we didn't do what mother abigail told us to do you see what happens so you know get it done so that little goodbye between them was funny you know was funny too he was like what did he say i'm glad i got a chance to know you and stu's like i didn't he was like i was just saying that to be nice (laughs) so it, it added a little a little lightheartedness to a heavy moment because again we don't know we're not supposed to know if we're going to see any of these characters again we don't know if the three who are going to vegas if if they'll make it back alive we don't know if Stu is going to survive sitting there in that ravine kind of out in the open with only and he gave but he but glenn gave Stu a way out he did which, which you know that whole thing parallels what happened with Harold, mm-hmm. you know, because Nadine told Harold, well, you know, you can make this go faster. <laughs> you know, it you have the opportunity. Yeah. 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 Okay. But here's Stu. What, what is Stu going to do? Is he going to tough it out and see what happens? Or is he going to, you know, yeah. sit there and let Kojak watch him die? I mean, what, what is he going to do? Right. Kojak is not going to let him take those pills. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, yeah. The fact that Kojak left Glenn to come back and stay with Stu. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm going to protect you. You know, man's best friend. He's he's going to protect him. He's going to he's gonna fight for Stu. Because right now, Stu can't fight for himself. Since this episode, uh, our, our talk has left out a lot of references. I'm going to bring up a reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Bill Garriott by, um, and the Malorian by David Eddings, um, especially in the Malorian, what he talks about is basically that evil tends to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like Harold was alone. But the people who are good the good side tend to share everything. So they're a team, they're always together. Mm-hmm. That's why in the quest, you always have a group because the group supports each other. Mm-hmm. And Kojak coming back to be with Stu is an element of that. It shows that he is not alone. Right. You know, he's always been kind to Glenn and always been kind to Kojak. So Kojak is a part of this group. So Kojak is gonna come and be with him. Right. Because he can. Yeah. And, and you saw Nadine. Like, hey, you've got these two other people going with you. You don't need me. He right. Does. Right. And and you look at what happened with Harold. Nadine just left him. You know, she left, she left him by himself. Sorry. Didn't offer him any comfort. Right. Didn't offer to finish him off, you know, for him. So he wouldn't have to do it himself. Right. No, she just, she just left him. And, and usually that's the difference between good and evil. It's mm-hmm. good, we, we tend to be, you don't, you're not alone. Yeah. And and if you remember in your Harry Potter books, that's what they try to express, especially Hermione, express to Harry, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't and, have yes, to do it by yourself. Especially to Harry. You know, when he tried to leave in Deathly Hallows, Ron was like, do what you're doing. Like, you can't go by yourself. Mm-hmm. What makes you think we're going to let you go by yourself? What makes you think we're going to let you go by yourself? Not going to happen. And then Harry's like, okay, you come with me. He was like, leave Hermione, man. Pff, whatever. No. Yeah. And, and doesn't, 
in Disney, Harry sees something similar to, to Tom. He's like, you're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you have? You have nothing. And I have all these other people. I have friends around me. You know, and then that's the difference between the two of them. Yeah, it is. And and I was just I just say that because you know we didn't have enough other references in this episode. So there you go. Yeah, we we didn't do a lot of nerdy references, but that's because we're actually talking about the episode because it's <laughs> about it that we actually liked. Like it's pretty good. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty good episode. Like I said, when I watched it, I was kind of like, you know, after last. After the last episode, I think I said I, I'm probably going to be hate watching it from this point on because I just got to the point where I was just so just disgusted. And I was like, it's only three more episodes. I might as well just watch it to the end. So I literally sat down to watch it with my arms crossed like, OK, how are they about to mess this up now? And then as as we got into it, I was like, OK. I, I, I like where they're going. Let me not get my hopes up. But by the end of the episode, like I said, uh, at the part where Larry and Stu had that exchange in the ravine, like I was tearing up. Like I know they're supposed to leave Larry. Like I've read this dozens of times. I've watched it dozens of times on the other miniseries. But I was still like, no, y'all can't leave him. Like I was feeling it. And I was like, oh, wait. I literally like touched a tear like oh what is this foreign object like what because this again this story is a favorite of mine when I when I read it I cry when I watch it I cry so it's it's just one of those things where I've been wanting to be emotionally vested in this show and I feel like I finally finally got it with this episode now does that mean we're going to get it for the next two episodes? I don't know. But I'm a little more hopeful now than I was this time last week. We'll see how it goes. Because the next episode is the end. It's the stand is the title. Mm-hmm. And the last episode is like a coda that was written by Stephen King himself. So the next episode will be the end from the book. And then the episode after that is additional material written by Stephen King. So I guess that, so that means that in the next episode, that means you have the stand in Vegas. You have Trash Can Man coming back with the warhead. You have hopefully some Tom Cullen on his way back to Boulder. You have him finding Stu. You have them huddled up for the wind uh you know for for this blizzard and then you have them finally making their way back to boulder fran has her baby and i think did her baby did her baby when the baby was born i think the baby had some signs of captain trips and then it it kind of recovered Mm -hmm. so you have all of that to do in one episode before you get to this new ending. So I just, I hope that they pace it right the way that they did with this episode, because if they do it right, they can get all of that in one episode. I mean, unfortunately they have no other choice but to get it in one episode because that's all they're left with. Yeah, I think the Franny stuff is gonna be moved to 
the Stephen King. The the coda. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> because it's called Coda Franny in the Well. Oh. Okay. So. So now that's, that's going to make well no because it, it it's a new editing. So I was going to say that's going to make me it's go back new, to my book and see if I can figure it out what it is. So. Okay, so I guess, look, that'll be the one episode I can't make too many complaints about because it's new. So I don't have any <laughs> to compare it to. I'm like you. I'm hope, hope, hopefully optimistic about the stand. You know, they said now, now I'm a little bit hesitant because they said the ending will be different. So does that mean the coda is what's different? Because that means I'm going to see the hand of God next week. And if I see the hand of God, I am not going to be happy. <laughs> I'm not. It only works in the book. That's going to be a, no that's going to be a fun episode to record if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how you slice it, it only works in the book. It does not work on screen. It yeah. doesn't. You can't make it work. I don't care how good your special effects are. If I see the hand of God come out of the sky and set off the bomb, I'm going to throw stuff everywhere. It's no, not, you can't do that. It's not going to be pleasant. The person who's with you, who's related to you by marriage, is not going to let you do that. You're not going to mess her house up like that. <sighs> I, I know. Yeah. Whenever I mention the hand of God, she looks at me like, are you really going to do that? Does she, does she remember that part at least i think i talked about it enough go 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 look at it on youtube <laughs> just show it to her on youtube and show it to her. what i'm talking about that way she can be fully prepared don't let her go into next week blind <laughs> prepare her be a good husband okay. and prepare her <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Over, overall, overall, I thought this was a really, really good episode. You know, I, I think everything pretty much clicked. It's like it's taking the writers all this time to finally hit their stride and it's almost over. It's like, where, where was all this before? Right, you know? right. But, well, it, it was really good. I, and I told you last week, I... It seemed like things were starting to turn, you know? You did. I will give you that. You did. So I guess one out of seven ain't bad. <laughs> At least we didn't go the whole series just, you know, complaining about everything. Like I said, there were some things that I won't say I didn't like, but there were some things that I kind of wanted differently in this episode, but there wasn't anything that I absolutely hated. Like, and there wasn't anything I just slightly hated. It was just, okay, I wish they could have done this a little differently. I wish they could have done that a little differently, but overall, I I, I really enjoyed this episode, yeah. so. And, and I wish, I, I hope all the people that build on it in the beginning decided to try to finish it because if they make it to this episode they would they would i think it would kind of help with the previous episodes right you know get, getting through it yeah I, I i would think i would hope it, it, it worked for me yeah 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and you had a non-biased person sitting next to you watching it. So I think that kind of helped as well because that, that helps. Yeah. Because if she's it, it, again, if she's not familiar with the story or she doesn't remember the story, she's looking at it with fresh eyes and that can kind of change your perspective. I think I probably would have enjoyed it more if I wasn't already familiar with the story. And I think, like I said, most of the people that I've talked to, my friends, people who listen to the podcast, they said the same thing. I might have liked it if I wasn't already familiar with it. Like I was telling you, I was watching, I'm watching um, Titans on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And I had watched like four episodes and I hadn't watched this episode of The Stand yet. And she was like, are we going to watch it yet? And I was like, yeah she said because you know i like it i said we can watch it later <laughs> no you know i like it okay uh -huh. we'll watch it we'll watch it after this so that was just like last week when you tried to say oh we can watch it tomorrow she's like yeah she's like no excuse she's me like, no. so <laughs> not happening okay so happens. so yeah so she, she's she's actually really enjoying it okay and i'll try to keep my comments to a minimum as we watch it but this episode i didn't have anything to say she yeah. was the one talking, making comments the whole episode. Like, she really liked it. Okay. So. Okay. Well, we agree with her on this one. <laughs> so you can let her know we agree with her on this one. Yeah. And she, uh, she, hopefully things will be similar next week. Um, you know, I think, I think the only thing I'm really worried about is the whole trash can man part of the episode like what are they going to do with him what are they going to do with this warhead how does that fit into the climax of the story since they changed the reveal of it like i don't know i'm just kind of wondering like if we and i will say this if we only get trash can for one scene next week or two scenes that will piss me off because it'll be a waste of a really like i said a really complex a really important character for the story you know we've only seen them twice so it's just kind of like do what you're going to do with this character make 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 it important and make it count if y'all are not going to give us a whole bunch of trash can make what you do give us count that's that's my main thing for next week. Make it count, and not just with build, man with with everything next week. Make it count. If they build on this this episode, if they build with episode seven. I think it's going to be pretty good. Okay. Well, we would like to know what you guys think. We have actually had probably more interaction with our stand episodes with. Uh, listeners than we have on any others because um, again a lot of people who are listening to us discuss it are also fans of the original uh, source material and you know a lot of people kind of agree with some of the stuff we said some people have kind of been like okay maybe this wasn't as bad and I've heard some people say yeah it was really that bad but <laughs> really would like to uh, get your comments and you know see what you think how how did you feel about this episode and also we're considering doing a live show for the finale so if you guys are interested in that 
drop us a note in the comments. Let us know. Um, we may do a Facebook Live where we can interact with other listeners and just kind of get an idea of the overall feel of the nine episode arc. But for now, that is it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.